sharing testimony is I thank God that even though um, I've been going through some, uh, me, my whole family has been going through some trials uh, with my aunt who lives with us and is close to us. You know, she's been in the in the hospital, and then um, our oldest is uh, getting married soon, and you know that's a, that's a challenge too, and and it's stress. But my testimony is that I thank the Lord that I'm in Him and I'm not in the world, and I'm found in Christ because I can lean on Him. I don't have to lean on you know drugs. I don't have to lean on alcohol. I don't have to lean on prescription pills. But I lean into God, and He gives me the strength that I need the peace that I need. He, he, he gives us what we need to get through these things. You know, and I, I know uh, a lot of people are going through things, similar things, you know, serious health stuff. I mean, that's another thing, you know, in this season is that, you know, we've seen so many of our friends, too many of our friends with serious health issues and, and in the hospital, you know, we've been in the hospital recently more than I've been in a while, you know, just other people because of other people. And, and this kind of stuff can get you down. But the other thing is not only is he our strength and our peace, but he's also our hope. So when we see these things, we don't uh, need to come down. You know, that God can restore us, give us hope, and what we need to get through. And uh, the word that I wanted to share today from the scriptures is from Psalm 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, we will not, we won't, we don't have to have fear. And God is our refuge and strength during these trials. Thank you, Lord. So we can pray. Thank you, Jesus. I just thank you, Lord, for the service today, God, for what you're going to do, what you are doing, Lord. And I thank you. That when we're found in Christ, God, that you are all we need, Lord. That no matter what we go through, even even the, the times and the seasons, though things are crashing in our right hand and our left hand, and, and people that we love and care about are going through things, God, and we're going through things, Lord, that you are our hope, our strength, our peace, God. And, and I ask, Lord, that you would just give your people that hope, Lord, and, and renew our, our vision, our, our understanding of your goodness, Lord, before we see the manifestation of our prayers, before we uh, we see the, the blessings at hand, God, that you are there and you are here now and your goodness is here, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap. Who's excited to be in the house of the God today? Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Make some noise. Give your neighbor a high five and tell him, get ready to worship. Now give your other neighbor a hug and say, welcome to church. <laughs> now, if you're like these radical fellas right here, why don't you come up, get as close to the altar as you can. We're going to dance, we're going to sing, we're going to shout. It's going to be a good old time in the Lord, amen.
to know you, God. Some of us might have had a long, tough week, a rough time at work with family, with children. Burdens want to bring you down. They want to darken your vision. But I tell you right now that Jesus is here. Jesus is here. How many believe it? Jesus is here. Come on. We're going to press in. We're going to press through. We want to see Jesus' face. Darkness fills my senses But my blindness keeps me from your touch Jesus
today for God's unfailing love. Just stretch out your hands right now. God's going to fill you. He's going to show you how much he cares about you, how much he loves you. He's never left you. He's never forsook you. You are his child. You are his favorite one. He loves you so much. Now cry out to the Father and say, Lord, You know where I'm at. You know how much I need you. You know that I'm lost without you. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me with your love. Fill me right now, Heavenly Father, I declare in Jesus' name that these people are filled with your love. I declare that they're loose right now to declare your glory, to declare your name, to shout praises. Come on, church. The next 30 seconds, just lift up your voice and praise Him. Just lift up your voice and praise Him. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He is here. He is here. He is here.
congregation, stretch out your hands today. In desperation, sing your unfailing love. Your feel that over them right now. Can you praise him today? Can you praise him today?
the glory. Lift up your voice, saints, and declare his majesty. Father, you're so good. You're so awesome. We worship you, God. You are worthy, worthy to be praised. Holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. Seated on
Jesus. It's all about the blood. It's all about the blood. What do you need, church? Come on, thank him. Thank him for his blood. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Oh, there is freedom. There is freedom and forgiveness flowing from the cross of Jesus this morning. There is freedom and forgiveness for you in this room. Although my sin looked great, you washed it away, God. Although my sin looked disgusting, your blood came over and washed me clean. Though it looked like I had no hope, oh God, your blood gave me hope for a future. Though it looked like I had nothing, your blood gave me everything, Jesus. We thank you, God, for your blood. Oh, though I was addicted, though I was a sinner, your blood gave me hope, Jesus. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Abba. Oh, Jesus. Come on, I want you to lift your hands. Lift your hands with me. Say, Jesus, cover me with your blood. Cover me with your blood. Hallelujah. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash me white as snow. God. Come on, let's sing it one more time. When I look. Hallelujah. Keep lifting your hands. Lift our hands and sing it out.
and dismiss the children if there are any left in the sanctuary. Hallelujah. My name is Lauren Sienski. I'm one of the pastoral elders here at MPI. I want to talk to you about Jesus this morning. About the blood that we were just singing about. If you could put my scripture on the screen, please. In Acts 4.12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Come on, there is no other blood that can wash you clean. It's only through Jesus Christ because he paid the price. There is no other way. It's not Mohammed or Buddha or Krishna. They didn't pay the price. Jesus is the one that went to the cross and died for our sins. It's only through him that we can be saved. No other name has been given to mankind under heaven. Only Jesus. Come on, that salvation is for you and for I. It's for you in this room today. If you do not know God, if you have not met Jesus as your personal Savior, today is the day I invite you to meet him. I invite you to experience what it's like to be washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Like I was saying, I used to be a sinner. My sin was so great, yet he washed me white as snow. Only through the blood of Jesus can that happen. And it can happen for you today. So during our fellowship time, we're going to have some prayer workers over here. We're going to have Pastor Griselda and Pastor Berto. During our fellowship time, they will pray with you. They will lead you in a prayer of salvation and teach you what it means to be saved and to love Jesus and live, live a different life. Come, if you could pray with me right now. Father, we thank you so much for your blood. We thank you for salvation. We thank you, God, for making the plan and sending Jesus Christ to save sinners, to make sinners into saints. We thank you, Abba. We thank you for your great love, Jesus, that kept you on that cross. And I pray for every person in this room, for every heart that is far from you, every heart that doesn't know you, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. I pray that they would choose to serve you today and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give them a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can stand to your feet with me. We're going to recite our confession of faith. We do this every week because it's our Christian worldview. It's what we stand on. So on the count of three, let's say it together. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. 
I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, greet your neighbor and come to prayer if you need it. Praise International. We are so excited that you joined us uh, to worship the Lord with us, especially if this is your first time. Please come back and join us for next week and then forevermore. So on behalf of the pastors and leaders, thank you for being with us. Our two main services here at MPI are every Sunday. We have a 10 o'clock and a 1 p.m. service. So we're really pumped about having two services available for everybody. And then Elevate. Fridays at 7 p.m. every week for uh, 11 to 18 years old. So if you know any teenagers, that's the place where they have to be right here, winning people for Jesus and just worshiping the Lord. We also have overflow parking available for your convenience. There's one parking lot directly behind the church and one right next to it through the alley. Please feel free to use either one. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Those are the two greatest commandments Jesus gave to us. And we want to strive to live that way with all of our hearts, loving God with all of our heart and loving our neighbor as ourself. 
And as the handouts are going across, we have our discipleship strategy that is threefold. There's three steps to our discipleship strategy. It's connect, mentor, and send. Somebody say connect. Say mentor. Say send. And the way we want to connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus, is through our life groups. And on the back of your handout, we have a schedule of times, dates, places, kinds of life groups for you and your family so that you can find a place to belong. There are so many different types of life groups to meet your needs. So we really want to encourage everybody, find a place to call home, your life group home, because that's where you're going to build relationships with people in the church because you are not meant to live for Jesus by yourself. And we want to give you a snapshot of what's happening for this week. So today, Sunday, we have our single moms with childcare. Come on, make some noise, ladies. They're meeting at 5 p.m. today. Wednesday, we have our King, King's Kids Life Group for infant to 11 years old. They meet at 6.30 every week here at the church. So parents, please drop off your kids. Go enjoy some time alone and then come back and pick them up around 8 o'clock. Friday, we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Govea's house and one is at the Walker's. Uh, both are for 18 years and up, 7 p.m. So be there. That's where you want to be if you're an adult. And Saturday is our evangelism. All ages are welcome. Meeting here at 5 p.m. at the church to go out to the streets and tell people about Jesus. And then we want to mentor you. We have leaders ready to take you through our 101 book, which is welcome to your new life so that you can grow in your knowledge, grow in your faith with God. And then when you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, which is Disciples That Make Disciples. This is our leadership training class where we teach you how to be a leader, to defend the faith, live holy, and do all the great things that God has for you. And then we want to send you out to continue to tell people about Jesus. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world. By God's grace, if you believe we can do that, say amen. Come on. Who's excited to give this morning? Come on. We are learning about offerings in the Disciples Giving book. We are on section two. You can look up at the screen. Lesson three today, offerings are generous gifts to God. You could turn with me in your Bibles. We will be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. So again, this is the Disciples Giving book. We are on section two, lesson three. The definition of offering is a gift to God after our tithes. So we've been learning that throughout this whole year as January came around. We, we learned intensely about what a, a tithe is. And now we're learning about the offering. God's heart for us to give offerings, which is above our tithe. Let's read 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. How many of you guys want to reap generously? We're going to learn the secrets right here. Three main points. Number one, generous. To be generous means to give freely in abundance. Being generous is the opposite of being selfish and stingy. At the same time, the amount doesn't determine the generosity, but rather the heart. The heart determines your generosity. For example, Jesus said a poor widow gave the most to God because she gave everything she had, Mark 12, 44. Number two, individualized. Since each person's financial situation is different, God doesn't require offerings to be a certain amount. Just like how the tithe is 10% of everyone's total income, the offering is always supposed to be generous. 
freely given in abundance in regards to everyone's individual circumstances. Aren't you glad that that is God's heart? He doesn't look at the dollar amount. 10% is fair to anybody, whether you have to tithe off a 10% of $1 or tithing off 10% of $1,000. It's fair for everyone. And then the offering is anything above that, something that comes from our heart out of abundance, generous giving before the Lord. Number three, don't compare. When giving your offerings, don't compare your best to someone else's. For some people, giving an extra $25 a month is generous. And for others, they could give an extra $500 a month. It all depends on what God has given them and told them to give. So don't compare yourself to anybody else. However, each person's gift should be his or her best because that's what God expects from us, our best given to the Lord. Let's read the summary. Determine what is your best generous offering that you can give freely each month and give it with joy. Here's the application. Number one, be a faithful tither. Let's never forget that. That tithe belongs to God. Number two, pray and seek God for what is considered generous in your life. And number three, be a generous giver. Let's confess this over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Amen. Please stand up with me on your feet this morning as we prepare to give our tithes and offerings to the Lord. Again, here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is 10% of your total income, and we designate offerings to do two different locations. One is towards our missions, which funds various missions projects throughout the year, and then the other part goes towards our building fund, which we are currently in a building fund for a 15-passenger van. You guys are doing awesome, generous, generous givers. It's amazing what God's people can do when we get together for his purpose to come to this earth. Amen? We also have two other options to make it convenient for you for giving. We have online, and you could also give in the back. If you have any questions about that, please see myself or Pastor Griselda. And we also have T-shirts available for you. So if you want to wear any of these Chicago for Jesus T-shirts you've been seeing around, Metro Praise, we have all kinds of styles and sizes. You can see myself as well for that and Pastor Griselda. Let's recite this scripture verse this morning, Luke 6, 38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your generosity to us. And Lord, we prepare this gift before you. We lay our tithes and offerings before you this morning, O oh God, to thank you, to give a thanksgiving offering to you, God, to say thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your provision over our lives. And I pray that you will continue to meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That you would provide open doors of employment, God. That you would provide increase and raises and bless and prosper your people. We thank you so much, God, that you remain faithful to us. And we choose today to continue to remain faithful to you and give generous offerings out of the abundance of our hearts, God, because we want to honor you. Bless the gift and the giver this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please come forward as you give this morning, and thank you for your generosity.
brand new. See, I'm giving out, living out, how about you? Is your name on the list when you hit town? Or will you wait till the last minute? Cause it's all about you, in it? At the last bow, don't wait for the final round and your name's not down. Amen. If you love Jesus, can I get a hallelujah? Amen. Are you glad to be alive this morning? Amen. Welcome to the house of praise, city of praise. Amen. Are you glad to see some sunshine in Chicago this morning? Amen. I felt like we forgot what it was like. Man, open up your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. As you're turning there, we're going to be finishing out today uh, the series, Who is Jesus? Everybody say, Who is Jesus? And look at your neighbor and say, Dumb man. So look at your neighbor and say, Who is Jesus? And then say, Dumb man. That's right. He is the man. I'm not the man. I'm just serving the man, right? Now, I want you to think about this as you're turning there to Mark 16. We're ending our series today. I'll tell you the new series we have coming up in just a moment. But this week in my life, and I think in your life, all of them except for one, but for all of these, in your life have experienced the same thing. And I want to see if you are paying attention to what you got out of this week's news. First of all, the tremendous earthquake that happened in Nepal is still taking lives. Today, they had the aftershocks and more people died. Have you paid attention to that? I'm sure you saw that. Persecution of Christians. My brother sent me more Christians are being beheaded, sent me the link. It's still happening. Even now, the news is getting bored with it, but it's still happening. Beheading of Christians. How about this? Bruce Jenner from the Kardashians does one of the biggest media um, interviews as of late and comes out by saying, I am a man trapped in a woman's body. He's going to get a sex change to become a woman, but yet he says he's not gay. He's then going to date women. And lastly, this may not be you, but some of you can relate to this. In, uh, at this season, this week, I got the final uh, edit of my book, False Kingdom with a False Christ, exposing Apollo Quibloy, a false pastor in Christ who says he's Jesus, claims he's Jesus, who's in Davao City, the Philippines, where we're going as a missionary trip. I have written what I believe is the only book exposing him, and he has a million followers. So put this together. This week, right now, persecution of Christians. Persecution of Christians, earthquakes, sin abounding, and false Christ. What do all of those five things have in common? Come on, think about it, right? Don't just take my word for it. Look back at your Bible, Matthew 24, when you have time. What do those things have in common? And I guarantee you, if I went through all the rest of those ten things, I could find them in today's newspaper. Now, you may say to yourself, Pastor, we've always had bad times. There's always been these things. Yes, but the increase of them is what the Bible says is the beginning of birth pains. So every now and then you may get a stomachache. That doesn't mean you're giving birth to a baby, does it? And it is kind of funny. When my wife was pregnant, every now and then she would pee on herself, and then she would think her water broke. I don't know if any women relate to that, but I do think it's a little funny, and I just told on her, and I got in trouble. She's not here. Is she here? Okay, I'm good. Um, But all the rest of the women, you all ain't liking me right now. But we have had some other women do that, too, and I'm not going to mention their names because they'll get really mad at me. Um, But 
Okay, you can have a stomach ache, but that doesn't mean you're giving birth to a child. The Bible says that these things have always been around. The world is wicked. People hate Christians. There's sin, etc. But what the Bible says is in the end times, they're going to increase like a woman going into labor. So have you seen these things increase just in your lifetime? I mean, did you ever see sin as rampant as you're seeing it now? Have you ever seen violence as much as you're seeing it now? Have you ever seen these earthquakes? You just can't even get over them. Right now, the Philippines who had their earthquake two years ago, we're, we're still sending supplies to the people who have lost things. The volcano in Chile. World events happening right around you. Look at your neighbors say, you better be ready. Amen. That was the message before the message. Is that okay? The message before the message. Let me show you what we're going to talk about next month because I know you guys like to know what's going on in the church. Here's what we're going to talk about next month as they put up the slide. We are going to tackle one of the biggest issues that everybody in our culture is facing. And a lot of it has to do with just what I said, with what's going on in the news. Fear. Next month we are going to tackle fear. And the sermon title, or the series title is going to be Fear Not. Do you know that the Bible gives you encouragement not to be afraid over 360 times? As a matter of fact, some people have counted it out to be 365. There is literally a promise for every day of your life to fear not. And we're going to be talking about every kind of fear. Fear of man, fear of peer pressure, fear of what people think about you, fear of your past, Fear of things like spiders and snakes and things like that. Fear of heights. So at the end of this, you can go skydiving. You can go for a hike in the woods and not be afraid. Fear of fear itself. Fear of tomorrow. Fear of finances. Fears and worries and anxieties. All of these things will be tackled next month. So would you please come, bring some friends, because we're going to silence the fears in your life. Everybody deals with fears. I'm going to show you a Richter scale of fear, whether it's the smallest anxious thought all the way to thoughts of depression and suicide. All of these have their roots in fear, and we're going to talk about how all of them can be resolved in Jesus' name. We're not going to let meditation, self-help gurus, Deepak Chopra take what God already has given you in the Word. This is the power to overcome fears, okay? It's not just meditation. It's not just taking medication. It is coming to the Word of God and experiencing His power. Can I get an amen? Amen. Open up your Bibles now to Mark, uh, Matthew 16. If you're already there, say, I'm there. Thank you. Two of you are there. I'm waiting for the rest of you to get there. Come on. Some of you are like, I'm already there because it's on the screen. No, bring your Bible. At least look it up in your phone. Come on, do something. Don't just sit there. Don't just sit there. Participate. But it's okay. I got it up there for you anyway. Mark, I keep saying Mark. Matthew 16. Here it is. Is Jesus the only way or the way among many? We've gone through our series for Easter, starting off with the first time, uh, the first of April, which was Easter Sunday. Is he a buried man or a resurrected Savior? How many believe he's our resurrected Savior? Amen. The week after that, we talked about, is he the God-man or just a good man? How many believe he is the God-man? He's God in the flesh. He wasn't just a good man. And then last week, we talked about miracle worker or just a good teacher. And how many believe he's a miracle worker? Amen. And we prayed for miracles, and we're believing to hear from you. If you have testimonies, let us know from last week's service or at any time we pray for you, because that's why we always have prayer workers at the end. Now, today we're finishing it out with what I call the grand finale. 
Is Jesus now the only way or is he a way among many? Because up to this point, you could say, yeah, maybe he was the Savior. Maybe he was God in the flesh, and maybe he did miracles. But maybe that's also happened with other religions. Maybe Krishna did that for some people. Maybe Buddha did that for other people. You know, is, is Jesus a central figure, or is he just one among many? And that's what we want to answer today, that Jesus Christ is not one among many. He is the only one. And as a matter of fact, you may not like this term. This is, by the way, the term that turned off Oprah Winfrey. Does anybody want to know um, why Oprah Winfrey stopped going to church and being a Bible-believing Christian? This story is simple. She tells it on her show that she heard a preacher say, God, the Bible, in, uh, the biblical God, is a jealous God. And that bothered her. But you see, you're going to learn today that if God is who he said he is, he is jealous of your worship going to other things. Not from an insecure place of jealousy, but from a place of knowing if you're giving it somewhere else, you will perish. So today you're going to learn he's not just a way among many, but the only way. But let's put on our thinking caps and hear from him, okay? Because I just want to talk about him. I want to talk to him. How many want to hear from Jesus, amen? And I want to hear him talk back. Here he is in Matthew 16 talking to his disciples. Verse 13, when he came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? He is asking them, who do you say, uh, who do they say I am? These people have been following Jesus. They've been hearing about Jesus. Now they have to uh, give an account, really. Like, who do you think he is? And this is what the disciples say that they're, they're talking about Jesus. Some say John the Baptist. John the Baptist at this point has been killed. That's kind of a silly answer, isn't it? Like if Adam comes to me and goes like, like, who do you say that I am? And I go, Abraham Lincoln? Wouldn't that be a little bit off? Wouldn't that be a little bit weird? I mean, that, that's not really a, a possibility. But that shows you that people in church or around church don't always know what they're talking about, do they? So just because you're here doesn't mean you know it all already. You've got to learn, don't you? So these people say, oh, maybe he's John the Baptist. Okay, that's weird. Others, Elijah. Isn't that even more weird? Because Elijah had died a long time ago. That would actually believe, that would actually be a teaching of reincarnation. You see, just because people were hanging around Jesus didn't mean they understood Jesus. And it didn't mean they really uh, were smart either. Just hanging around church won't make you smart, right? You got to be willing to learn. And then another one said Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, just to give you a defense of their, their, their answer, which may seem silly, probably one of the only reasons why they thought he could be reincarnated from one of these men is because he was doing so many miracles. They were thinking maybe the ghost of these guys has come back in a new body. Number one, the Bible doesn't teach that. And number two, it denies who Jesus is. Jesus is not a ghost of another prophet. Jesus is God in the flesh. But that's in your Bible there. That's something to think about. So I need to know better than that, don't I? How many want to have a better answer than that? So if your friends ask you who Jesus is, you've got to have a better answer. Now, verse 15, this is what I love. He said, what about you? Look at your neighbor and say, what about you? Now, this is where we got our sermon series from. Who do you say I am? The sermon series this month has been, Who is Jesus? The more you know him, the more you can show him. Okay, so we know our friends may have crazy answers. Oh, Jesus was just a, a reincarnation of Krishna. We're going to talk about that today. Some people may say that. Oh, Jesus is a reincarnation of Buddha. Jesus is a reincarnation of a divinity that keeps coming through all these different people's lives. You may hear that from others. But now you've got to answer the question yourself, who do you say that I am? 
And I hope that we can have the same answer that Peter said. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Who is he? The Messiah, the son of the living God, the son of who? The living God. So right there, we have isolated all false answers. And now the identity of Christ has been made known. We can now not put on Christ another identity. If you come up to me and call me Josephine, is that a good thing? Hey, Josephine, how are you doing? Would that be a good thing? If, if you came up to me, ladies, and, uh, and you said, hey, do you want to go shopping? And I'm like, where? And you go, Claire's. Is that a good thing? I'm just asking. Is that a good thing? No, that would mean you don't know me. You call me Josephine and you ask me to go shopping at Claire's, you don't know me. If we start saying that Jesus is Buddha, Jesus is Krishna, Jesus is this, we don't know Jesus. If we start saying that all religions are the same and you put them on a buffet and you just pick whatever parts you want, we don't know Jesus. Jesus is not one among many. He is not the Messiah just to Israel. He is the Messiah of the world. He is not just the son, a son of the living God, one among many. He is the only begotten son. The only begotten son. Isn't that something? King James language right there. Only begotten means one of a kind coming from heaven to earth. Now, I want you to think about some of the things I've already mentioned to you. You might have seen this in social media. You might see this uh, when you watch the History Channel because they love to say goofy stuff there. And um, you might hear this from your friends who think that they know something because they watched Bill Maher on HBO. You know, and so Bill Maher, he's very smart apparently, and so they think they know something. Uh, Berto, would you give me some water, please? I'm, I'm losing it up here. Uh, how many have been fighting colds in the middle of spring? Anybody besides me, Lord, just heal us of colds and sinuses. Our children of strep throat, heal Lucas, amen. Praise God. Are you ready for the sunshine? Amen. Thank you. Okay, I want you to think of, and I have another one coming. Water is being multiplied. Thank you. Many, many water cometh. Does anybody have any money? $10 maybe, $20. Let's see, we get some of that coming. Amen. Now, let's look at this. You might have heard this before. Some of you haven't, so bear with us here. But this will prepare you if you ever do hear it. Uh, people compare Jesus to myths. You know, myths are not actual events. These didn't really happen. Everybody knows there's a myth. Uh, it's a myth. It's not based in history. But now people uh, like the movie Zeitgeist that was real popular on YouTube. It might have passed around on your Facebook page. Uh, people began to say, if you look at Horus or Mithra or I. Um, Osiris, thank you, and uh, who is also equivalent to Dionysus. If you look at these Egyptian and Greek gods, it looks like there's so much in common with Jesus. And so maybe you've seen a, a poster that went around um, during Christmas time and said, there was a God born on December 25th to a virgin, and Magi came and gave him gifts and all of this, and the, and the child was Osiris, you know. And they try to say that these myths predated Jesus, and that Christians uh, took these myths and made it their myth and called it Jesus. The problem with that is that I just did not want to get into this today, otherwise it would be a boring history class, is the first thing is when you begin to look at what the people are saying are supposedly myths uh, comparing to Jesus are actually false. These people are not like Jesus. Their stories are not like Jesus. 
there have been people who have tried to fit these stories into the Jesus picture, the Jesus story, to make it sound similar, but they didn't raise from the dead. They didn't have 12 disciples. They didn't do the kind of miracles that Jesus did, and they certainly did not teach what Jesus taught. And I have under each one of their names the links that you can turn to right there. Everybody go, that's nice. Amen. So you can spend your time right here looking at these things and studying what the historians say. The next one, which gets more attention than those, and you can't really blame them for doing this because it would seem to make sense to many people that if Krishna was cool and Buddha was cool, why not Jesus being cool and they all get together and hang out? And you'll hear this more often than not that, uh, you know, hey, look at Jesus. Jesus was a nice guy. Buddha was a nice guy. Krishna did these things. Jesus did these things. And then all of a sudden you begin to paint this picture of, yeah, they may be a little bit different, but they're probably just the same God doing different things at different times. And so the idea would be God came in the form of Krishna for the Indian people. God came in the form of Buddha for the Chinese or the Eastern people. And God came here for the Jewish people through Jesus. And here I got all of the links there as well with Krishna and Buddha. But the problem is when you begin to study it out, even Buddhists and Hindus who respect Jesus and want Jesus on their team admit that Jesus' life is totally different. Let me give you just a story about Krishna and see if you could think Jesus was doing the same thing. One day, and by the way, it's not even sure if Krishna even existed. We know Buddha existed, but Krishna is still uh, doubted whether or not it's for sure he existed. But politely, I put him out of myth and put him here as an actual person. But just take a story of Krishna here. And see if you can imagine Jesus doing this. Krishna comes one time to the bath uh, uh, where the women are bathing there in, in, in the creek, and they're all naked. And their clothes are there by the, the, the creek bed. Krishna then takes their clothes and hides up in a tree and plays a trick on them so that when they come out of the pool, they're naked, and then they have to come find the clothes, and it's come find Krishna and get your clothes. Could you imagine Jesus doing such a thing? Do you, you think I'm making that up, don't you? You probably don't want me to tell you the story about Ganesh and the other gods of Hinduism. It would be even more outlandish. And I don't say that to mock people. I just say that to, to ask yourself the question, do you see Jesus taking naked women's clothes and playing hide and seek with them in the village? Do you see Jesus doing that? Jesus is totally different than Krishna, and I have the facts that even the students of Hinduism, the philosophers, the ones that study it the most, even though they respect Jesus so much and say, yes, Jesus is part of Brahma, he's a part of the God nature, they have to be honest and say the Bhagavad Gita, which is their main text of Krishna, to teaches something totally different than what Jesus taught. There's, there's not the same theme in Jesus' life, meaning this, Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was a monotheist. That means he believed his God was the only God, and he believed anything else was, was idolatry. That means if Krishna was around in the time of Jesus and Israel, Krishna would have got stoned. Hello, somebody. Do you understand that? Krishna would have got stoned. Have you ever read the Bible? What happened to idolaters in the nation of Israel? When they worshiped many gods and they made statues, what happened to them? They were put to death. What happened when pagan nations lived according to that way, like the Amalekites, the Philistines? They were at war with Israel. Well, then we get to Buddha, who is actually a person of history. 
and uh, seems to have a lot of good things to say. As a matter of fact, they have a parallel Bible out, believe it or not, of Jesus' teachings and Buddha's teaching, and it's his scriptures, Buddha's scriptures, and Jesus' scriptures. When you look at their teachings, there's a lot of things in common. They talk about doing good for your fellow man, loving your neighbor, denying yourself, denying who you are. But there's a big problem between Buddha and Jesus. Buddha denied the reality of a personal God. Does that sound like Jesus to you? Does it sound like Jesus is walking around going, there isn't a personal God, there's only freedom from suffering, and that comes through inner meditation and achieving nirvana. Does that sound like Jesus? As a matter of fact, if you take Jesus' teachings just on the Father, meaning the personal God called the Father, you would have the context for almost every one of his talks. Meaning, when he teaches us to pray, he teaches us to pray to the Father, not to ourself in meditation. When he gives us commands, he says, these are the commands of the Father that I have been sent to give you. When he talks about what he's going to do in the end times, he says, I'm going to the Father, bad stuff is happening, then I'm coming back from the Father. If you took the personal Father relationship with Jesus out of the picture of Jesus, you wouldn't have the same Jesus, would you? Now, is Buddha walking around saying, there is a father and I have come from him? Does he teach that he is the only way to the father? No, he doesn't. When you now look at the honest um, outlook of these different religious leaders, Buddha and Krishna, you find that Jesus stands alone, unique as who he is. Now, at this point, someone can go, well, he's unique, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's the only way because maybe everybody was unique when they came. And that's now why I want you to open your Bibles to John 14, 1 through 4, uh, John 14, 1 through 14, because I want you to see how did Jesus see himself? Did he see himself as a way among many, just a different version of God, or did he see himself as the only way, the only truth, and the only life? How many think you know the answer already? Come on, somebody, turn there with me right now, John 14. Now, some of you may want to come to church and only be told things, but I want you to think through things. Is that okay? What you have had to think through right now is that people have compared Jesus to myths and other religious leaders. Now that you've had to think through that, you can honestly say that there is no copying. There is no imitation. Jesus is unique. And now you have to answer the last question. Has God appeared through other people at other times uniquely or has he only come through his only begotten son, Jesus? Let's hear now what Jesus said about himself. How many think if Jesus is a good guy, he's going to tell the truth, right? So if he's going to tell the truth, we should listen to him. So we shouldn't argue with Jesus. So if Jesus goes, I'm the only way, we shouldn't have to go up to him and go, Jesus, you're kind of wrong. There's really more than one way. Because if he doesn't know he's not the only way, then he's a liar telling us he's the only way. And he's ignorant. He doesn't know what he's talking about. If he is the only way, we shouldn't argue with him. We should say he does know what he's talking about and follow him. Do you get it? We can't have it both ways. We can't say Jesus was a good guy who teaches he's the only way, but then again, he really wasn't the only way. That's not a good guy. That's an ignoramus. Do you think fools and liars are good guys? They may, they may be somebody you laugh at on a sitcom, but they're not the kind of person you want to trust your eternal soul to, is it? Right? Like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he's kind of funny, right? But he's also kind of a fool. Right? You remember watching the show. He was kind of foolish, wasn't he? I mean, he's kind of fun to laugh at, but would you trust, trust the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with your soul? 
So should we be looking at Jesus that same way? No, we should take him at his word, right? Amen. I'm not Josephine. I'm who? I don't shop at Claire's. I shop at men's stores. Amen. Right? That's who I am. I'm going to tell you who I am. Jesus told you who he was. We should believe him. Are you all ready for this? 14 verses. You came to church to read the Bible, right? Amen. Here we go. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus talking. You believe in God, believe also in me. Look at the parallel statement that Jesus just made. You believe in God, now believe in me. That's pretty audacious if you're not equal to God. Isn't that something? Imagine if I walk up to you in the midst of your turmoil. Hey, you believe in God? You know God can help you? I can help you too. Believe in me the same way. Joe, you're a lunatic. I can't believe in you like that, right? That's what you would say. But Jesus talks like that. You believe in God? You believe in the creator of the universe? You believe he knows everything? You believe he's all-powerful? You believe he's everywhere at the same time? You believe in God? Believe in me. This man is not mincing words. He couldn't have said it any more clear. You believe in God? Believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. He's talking about a place you ain't never been before. You ever been to the father God's house? Do you know the rooms he got? Do you know the kind of silverware he's got at his table? The bedding he has on his bed? The carpet he has? Have you ever been to the Father's house? Do you got the Father's location? Are you Facebook friends with God the Father? Hello. My Father's house has many rooms. Stop. Is Jesus a lunatic talking about the rooms of the Father? Or is he who he said he is, the Son of the Father, only begotten, brought to earth to tell us about the Father, and not only that, to die on the cross to bring us to the Father? For God. The Father so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. His one and only Son. That's the translation of only begotten Son, right? Okay. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that. Excuse me. My Father has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you? So if this wasn't so, would God be telling you this? So now Jesus is laying it on the line. Either I am who I said I am or I'm a liar. Because if it wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you this. That I am going to prepare a place for you. Can your great-grandma who passed away go to heaven to prepare a place for you? Can she go to heaven and go, Father, listen, I got a lot of friends coming up here. I got my children coming. Some of them are allergic to peanuts and all this. We got to make sure we get everything out here ready for them. You know, my, my one daughter, she's going to be up here soon. She doesn't like lavender. She likes peach. Can dead people go to heaven and tell the Father how to remodel stuff? But Jesus is doing that. He's telling you, my Father has many rooms. If that wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you. But I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, hello somebody, and take you to be with me so you also may be where I am. Isn't that, bra isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? So Jesus is where right now? Where's he at? Heaven? What's he doing there? For who? For us. And he's coming back for us, isn't he? See, I'm not going to keep asking the question over and over again because we got to just settle it. He's not a lunatic here. This man is trustworthy. We've already been through a lot of those things earlier and previously. He's already proven it by his deeds, his miracles, who he is. And he's telling them, you believe in God, believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I wouldn't have told you unless it was so. I'm going to do that to come back to get you so you can always be with me. Now look at verse 4. 
He's got his disciples around him, right? And he goes, and you guys know where I'm going? You know, I'm going to the Father's house. You know where I'm going? You know the way to the place where I'm going. You know where I'm going, and you know the way there. Let's just go on to the next thing. And all of a sudden, right here, you got to love Thomas. Everybody say Thomas. Thomas is like, whoa, <laughs> hold on here. You're going to the Father's house. You're preparing rooms. And then you're telling us we know how to get there? Like, like we know the road. We got the GPS coordinates of heaven. What are you talking about? Look what Thomas said. Lord, uh, we don't know where you are going. Can you just imagine that? Like Jesus is all excited. And you know where I'm going. Come on, let's go. And then, and then Thomas is like, hold on. I got a question. He's that guy in the class. Hold on. I got a question here real quick. Uh, Lord, and he has to talk for everybody. You know when people got to talk for everybody? Me and my wife and family, we don't really like your cooking. You know, that, you know when, you, when you say the, the plural we, you know you're going to put somebody down, you know. We all don't like you. You ever have a friend say that to you? They speak on behalf of the we, right? So, um, Professor, I know Peter. I know James. I know John. We all don't know what you're talking about right now. We, we, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Now look what Jesus said. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Could he have been more clear? He didn't say, he didn't say we, me, Buddha, and Krishna, and all these other people. We are the way for different people at different times. He didn't say when Oprah Winfrey comes around a couple thousand years later, she's going to help you understand this better. She's going to have Deepak Chopra on and explain this to you better. In a postmodern world, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to tell anybody they're wrong. So I, along with a whole lot of other people, are the way. No, he says, I'm the way. I am the truth, the life. That means everything that we do to get to God, it's only going through Jesus. Any truth that you ever experience in this planet, whether it be medical truth, mathematical truth, scientific truth, moral truth, comes from Jesus. And every breath you take and every little puppy breath your puppy takes, every life that is alive from the plant life photosynthesis to you being here today to a child in the womb of their mother comes from Jesus. And no one's going to the Father except through him. Now look at verse 7. Now, look, he gets a little sassy. How many like sassy Jesus? I like sassy Jesus because I can relate to Jesus when he talks like this. If you really know me, man, come on, Jesus, I know you. I've been hanging out with you. I've been, I've been with you right at this point for almost three years. What are you saying if I really know you? Is there another side to you? I mean, this, is, this can happen with women. Am I not right? You get married to a woman. You, you, you think you know her, and then you do something wrong. And then she tells you, if you really knew me. And I'm like, baby, I've been married to you 10 years. How is it I don't, don't know you yet? But everybody say complex being. We can see complexity in women. And if God made women, how much more complex is he? Amen. You know the story. God put man to sleep, made woman, and man's woke up trying to figure it out ever since. It's not even our fault. Right? It's not even our fault. We were sleeping when God made you. We don't know how you work. We've tried to figure it out. We just can't. Be easy on us. Now, I love Jesus, verse 7. If you really knew me, 
you will know my Father as well. See, this is not God talking about, uh, Jesus talking about God like he's a force. This is Jesus talking about God in personal terms. A lot of times at this point, people from Islam get a little bit offended because they don't believe Allah is a father. To them, that degrades the place of God. Why would God be a father? God is bigger than any uh, idea of a father. But that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is not just a God that's a judge somewhere far off that we are supposed to be afraid of and we pray five times a day to make him happy. No, the picture Jesus gives us of God, and this is the term he uses more than any other term for God, is God is our father. And if you've had the privilege of having a good father in this world, you can understand why. So look at this thing. He goes, if you know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Meaning when we looked at Jesus, we saw who? Who did we see? The Father. Look at this. Now, Philip, you got to love Philip. I just love, don't you love reading the Bible? Some of y'all got to get the Bible, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, people were thinking about Jesus being reincarnated. That was kind of silly before. Uh, And then now, after Thomas already asked the question, Philip is basically just going to go to that next step. Philip is kind of the crazy one, right? Lord, just show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Right? Just bring them on down. Just send the Father on down. We've already seen the Son, and we're having a little trouble here now believing this because, you know, I mean, you're here. You're a man, and God is a lot bigger than a man, so we're, we're having a little trouble, Jesus. Just bring, on, just bring down the Father. Call him over, right? It was so funny growing up. My dad was uh, a coach here of a little league team in, in Chicago, and he was called the Chicago Bears. And they had won a championship at a park league, and they had this big old golden football given to my dad as a trophy. And it looked just like the kind you would get when you won a Super Bowl. You understand what I'm talking about? Had a big wooden playing, big golden football, right? I'm like third grade. I'm reading it. Coach of the Chicago Bears, championship, Jim Wyrostek. So I got some older kids in the neighborhood. I'm hanging out with them. And one day they're picking on me or something. I go, hey, guess what? You wouldn't believe this. You can't pick on me no more. My dad coached the Chicago Bears. And not only that, my dad got a trophy that won a championship with the Chicago Bears. And they're like, no, we don't believe that. We don't believe that. They're like, just go get your dad and have him tell us, right? And my dad comes over and he's like, son, that was a park league. You have embarrassed yourself, son, you know. And, and it was kind of like, it, it, it made it worse. If the father would have came down, it wouldn't have embarrassed Jesus. It would have killed everybody on planet earth. The father's structure of holiness is what holds the world together. It is his mercy that he comes through his son. If he would come without his son, he would drop an atomic bomb and this place would evaporate and be gone. They didn't even know what they were asking for. You want to meet the father? You're going to die. The father comes down here, you're going to disintegrate. Let me light something on fire. That's going to be you. There's a reason why the son comes for the father. It's not just like the Trinity's bored and figuring out stuff to do. There's a relationship. So Philip, he doesn't know what he's asking. Just show us the Father. Just have him come down and blow everything up, and then we'll believe you. But people talk like that, don't they? I just want to see God. Just have him come on down. If you see him, you're going to hell. 
Because that's, that's not good for you, right? Because you ain't born again. So your little test, like you're going to test him, you're going to end up going to hell. You don't want to see him. You want to see a preacher right now talk about him, right? And then you want to ask Jesus into your heart. That's what you want. You're not ready for the Father. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you ain't ready unless you got Jesus. Just show us the Father. That's enough. Jesus answered, you do not know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? You see, what we're learning now is that the essence of God is in Jesus. But Jesus and the Father are not the same person. It's they share the same essence. They share the same divinity. And he's saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the essence of the Father clothed in flesh and mercy. And I am in him. And what I do is for him. And that's what he says in another place. Now look at what he says here. He goes, the words that I speak unto you are not of my own authority. Rather, it's from the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. Or at least, come on, Philip, just believe the evidence of the works themselves. Now the beauty of this is, is that Jesus gives two ways to believe in him. One through his works and the other through his words. We're not alive today to see the actual works of Jesus, are we? But we can hear the words of Jesus, can't we? And we can believe in who he is. And now through the, through the Holy Spirit, we can see Jesus still working. So let's be clear on that. We can see Jesus still working. But I'm talking about Jesus in the flesh like the disciples saw him. So don't be worried if you can't see the works of Jesus in the flesh. You have the words of Jesus. Now look at verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. See, what has been the purpose of this series? That you would know him so you can show him. The more you know Jesus, the more you can show Jesus. Jesus revealed himself to you and I so that we could have a personal relationship with him. But now he wants us to do the works that he had started. He wants us to preach in his name. He wants us to pray for the sick in his name. This is the authority that he has given us. He told us he has gone to prepare a place for us. Remember we started this at Easter time? Well, after the resurrection, he ascended to heaven. What's he doing up there? He is preparing a place for you and I. And do we want to go there alone or do we want to go there with our friends and family? Do we want to do the works of Jesus? He said, Guys, believe in me, and you'll do the same works I've been doing, and you'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, Jesus raised people from the dead. Can we do greater than that? Are we end up going to start doing some hyunkins and spitting out fireballs and be like, I'm greater than Jesus. I'm Pokemon now. Look at me. Is that what it means? I'm greater than Jesus. No, what it means is greater in number. When Jesus was on the earth, maybe Jesus preached to 10,000 people, 100,000 maybe if you put it all together in his villages, but maybe 10,000 at one time. There are preachers alive today that have preached to a million people at one time, just greater in number, not greater in, in, in purpose indeed. Jesus is the greatest, but Jesus himself said we could do greater, and that's what he meant, greater numbers. Jesus never met a Latino. Isn't that something? Isn't that pretty great that now preachers are Latino and they're reaching to Latin American countries? Jesus never met a Polak. I'm Polish. Is that okay? You know, Jesus never met one of me. 
But now isn't that great that he does? And preachers are reaching the Polish people. Do you see what I mean by what he said? Greater than these. Jesus stayed in a region. He had a three-year ministry. Now because of his disciples, it's spreading to every country. Do you know that I've been to Nepal, Kathmandu, right where that has happened, that earthquake? I've been there preaching the gospel. Isn't that great? Because I'm coming in the name of Jesus. When I was there, they told me it was illegal to do what they were doing. Their churches are illegal because of communism. They have to be state approved. And the pastor that I was with didn't want to do that and be under the control. And we preached and sang and had a wonderful time, didn't we? You see, that's great. And God wants you to do that. Jesus in the flesh is not going to work tomorrow where you're working. But you are. You can do the great works of Jesus there. Jesus doesn't go home and live physically where you're going to be. By the Holy Spirit, yes. But this is the man Christ Jesus in that place telling them, I'm not going to do all of this, but you will and even greater. Are you going to take that challenge on? Now look at this, because I'm going to the Father. So where is Jesus right now? He's with the Father. And what is he doing up there? So he's having the Father remodel a place for us. Or not remodel, but build a place for us, right? But I thought Jesus was also in our heart. Did you know that too, that Jesus came to live inside of you? How is Jesus with the Father preparing a place for you, but Jesus is also in your heart? Through the Holy Spirit. As you read through the rest of John chapter 14, he says, when I'm going to the Father, we are then, both of us, going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be with you, and he will abode with you, live with you, and speak to you what I and the Father are saying. So how is Jesus with us, low unto the ends of the world, as the Bible says, to the end of the age, through the Holy Spirit. And just like how we may say to the Holy Spirit, I don't believe you, Holy Spirit, you go back there and get me Jesus. That's not something we want either because if Jesus comes down now, what is he coming on? A white horse slaughtering a billion people, right? We're not ready for judgment day. Don't we still want mercy? The Holy Spirit is here using us to preach the message of Christ, is it not? Is he not rather? He says, if you, if you believe in this, you'll do greater things than me because I go to the Father. Verse 13, and whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Excuse me, whatever, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So I say whatever. Come on, whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask for anything. Somebody say anything in my name and I will do it. Uh, Vinny, would you come to the keys, please? I want to close out today a little bit shorter than normal because I want us to tie in this whole series. We started off learning that Jesus is the Savior raised from the dead. We asked the question. We studied through it. But we have thoroughly come to the conclusion he is our Savior. History proves it. Lives today prove it, the testimony of the church. We also know that he's the God-man because when we study all that he has done, no one could do this but God alone. We then looked at him being the miracle worker and not just a miracle worker at one time. We talked last week that today there are 200 million testimonies of God's miracle working power. The book is called Miracles by Dr. Craig Keener. He was at Harvard giving the lecture. You can look him up online or go to our notes. He spent a long time documenting 10 major nations of Pentecostal spirit-filled believers and getting together the reports of their miracles from their denominations and from their leaders. And he estimates around 200 million testimonies today of miracles upon this earth. No other name but the name of Jesus. 
And then lastly, we asked, is Jesus a way among many or is he the only way? And now as you look at the words of Christ, is there really any confusion? Could you really doubt this now? Now, some of you at this point, you may say, Pastor, duh, I already knew all this. We could have saved the whole series. We could have just did something else. We could have talked about who's the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Those are the guys I want to know. I already know who Jesus is, right? Some of you could have said that. If, the Joe, if you were giving me a test, I already would have passed it. I already got this down. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is God. Jesus is miracle worker. He's the only way. Boom. But you see, it's not just about having it here. Having head knowledge here, it's about having the person of Christ here and doing his works out here. Do your coworkers know Jesus is Savior? Because if you have not shown them Jesus is Savior, how are they going to know? Do they know that Jesus is God and they can pray to him? Have you shown them that? Do you know Jesus as your miracle worker? Have you prayed in his name? Have you reached out for his blessings? See, that's how you know that you're not just saying one thing and doing another. We could all come here under a different name and say, oh, yeah, we all love Abraham Lincoln. But that doesn't mean we talk about Abraham Lincoln tomorrow. It just means I believe in him. We could all say, yeah, you know, I believe Martin Luther King Jr., he was great. But that doesn't mean I'm talking about him tomorrow. That doesn't mean I'm praying to dear Martin Luther King, please bless this meal before I eat it. Right? But do you do that with Jesus? Think about this as we close out this sermon series. What made Jesus unique was his incarnation. God didn't just send an angel. God didn't just send someone else. He sent his only Son, Jesus came to earth to be with his creation. His creation had rejected him from the time of Adam and Eve through Noah's Ark, the Tower of Babel, through the time of the pagan rulership to the backslidden kings of Israel to the pagan nations of, of Rome and Greece. Jesus came to those who rejected him, and he still loved them. That's what makes Jesus unique. Number two, Jesus' work on the cross. Jesus didn't just come and judge everybody. And Jesus didn't come and just tell us cute little fortune cookies. Jesus took sins. Jesus took what you and I did as violations against God the Father. Just think about this for a minute because I know there's probably some goody two-shoes in here. There's probably some good sinners in here, right? Like you weren't that bad. Like, you probably could have got in without Jesus going to the cross for you, right? Like, I needed Jesus because I was a drug dealer, but not you, right? There's some people here like that. But let's just add it up. You guys got your smartphones, right? Let's add it up right here. You can't sin unless you know what a sin is. Children are granted grace by God. The kingdom is theirs. So let's say around the age of six, you started knowing what a sin is. How many think that's a fair age? My daughter's six. I think she knows what a sin is. Let's say you get to live to be 85 years old. Take 85 minus 6, the time of your consciousness. How many years is that you'll be alive? 79. Are you guys using your smartphones to look on Facebook now or to have some fun in church? Come on. Are you bored? 
Okay. 79 years. Now, on average, how many times do you think you've sinned a day? A lie is a sin. Being covetous, jealous is a sin. Taking the Lord's name in vain is a sin. Putting things like sports and money and job before God and church, sin. Making things, people, more important than God, idolatry. How many times do you think you've done those kinds of things? On average, a day. Let's just say five. Take 79 times 365 days a year times five sins a day. Boop. 144,175. How's that looking, goody two-shoes? How you doing? Now understand this. How many sins got Adam and Eve kicked out of the Garden of Eden? A thousand? Rape, murder, and pillage? How many got them kicked out? One. How many sins will have you go to hell? How many? One. The wages of sin, singular, is death. One sin is death. God could have judged Adam and Eve and said, game over, human race, you're all going to hell. You would have been born in hell. Your existence would have happened in hell. Don't ask me how that would have happened, but just follow me along here. If God would have judged Adam and Eve, knowing that in Adam and Eve was our DNA, was our history, if he would have damned them, we all would have been damned by one sin without a choice. Jesus comes in the flesh to take 144,000 sins for me. 144,000 sins for you, for you, for all of us. And he does it out of love. And when he resurrected, here's the good part. When he resurrected, as we celebrated on Easter, he showed us that sin doesn't win. Sin doesn't win. It rhymes. Sin doesn't win. It doesn't win. So where we begin is not where we end. I was born a sinner, but I'm born again a saint. I have committed sins, but now God has given me righteousness. Sin doesn't win, and where I begin is not where I end. If I'm in Christ, I raise with him one day and get to go to those places that he's prepared for me. Is anybody else wanting to go there? That's what's up. That's what this is all about. Who is Jesus? Our Savior, God in the flesh, miracle worker, and the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. Is that what you want today? Is that who you're going to worship today? Is that who you're going to tell the world about today? 
Then listen to this scripture in closing. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. Krishna was a thief. Hercules was a robber. But the sheep have not listened to them. My chosen people, Israel, that remnant haven't listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Doesn't matter what nation they come from. Doesn't matter what sins they've they've done. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If that's your Jesus, will you stand up, give him a hand clap of praise, and say thank you. Come on, bless him. Let's just pray in closing. We honor you, great shepherd of our souls. Altar workers, would you come, please? Come on, let's pray to Jesus, the one and the only. Thank you, Lord, for being the shepherd of my soul. You are my good shepherd. I shall not want. You maketh me lie down in green pastures. You leadeth me beside still waters you restore my soul yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil your rod and staff they comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord my father forever you're our shepherd you alone died for us you alone took our sins and today we worship you we worship you First, for who you are and for what you have done. Secondly, and today we acknowledge that we're nothing without you. And we ask you to bless us. We ask you to pour out your love upon us. We ask you to encourage us, strengthen us, do all that we need that others can't do for us. And then use us to share you with this world that doesn't know you. You've sent us to share your message. The more we know you, the more we can show you. And I pray that's what we will do. With every head bowed and eyes closed right now, if you want to know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior, either you have never come to Jesus or you have and you've walked away and done some things you shouldn't, you want to come back, Would you just raise your hands together with all of us? Let's just all raise our hands and just confess a prayer of lordship in our lives. So today, if this is you and you're saying it for the first time or meaning it again for another time, say it just with us. And Jesus says you will be saved. Everybody say this, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me so that all my sins could be forgiven. I believe you rose from the dead on the third day 
so that I could be with you forever. Today, be the Lord of my life. I believe you're my Savior. You came for me so that I might live. Now, just hold on. I want you now to get a little sassy with the devil because we're going to rebuke the thief. This is for everybody here. I want you to rebuke the thief now in the middle of this prayer and tell him he can't take what God has given you. Tell him his lies coming even through people, whether they intend to or not, won't distract you. So say this with me, devil. I know you're a liar. Thus, whatever you say is untrue. So I rebuke you now over my life. I rebuke you over my mind, my emotions, my family, my job, my city. Get out of here in Jesus' name. Now I want you to think about what you've just said. You've confessed Jesus as Lord. You've rebuked the devil. Now I want you to do what Jesus asked us to do, to pray to do good works. So right now, finish this prayer by saying, Lord, help me to, and then just fill in the blank. Come on, Lord, help me to be the mother, the father, the parent you've called me to be, to go to work tomorrow and do it as unto you. The Bible says, do all things as unto the Lord. Lord, help me through this situation that I'm facing in my finances. Come on, fill in the blank. We're praying to do good works in Christ Jesus now. That's what he wants us to pray for, not just a good uh, seat today when we go out to Applebee's. He wants us to pray that we can do good works. God cares about parking spots. Yes, he does, but he cares more about the things that involve your life, the things that really can make or break your day. He cares about Ask him right now for help to be with you. He's really God, and he really cares, and he will really show up. Now, if you believe that, can you say amen? And before we close out, would you just grab your neighbor's hand like a big family? And I'm going to ask today that Jessica would pray for us. And as she prays, would you pray for the person's hands you're holding? And you can pray whatever you want, but I would just suggest you just praying a simple prayer for them because you don't know what they're going through. A simple prayer that would go something like this, Lord Reveal yourself to my neighbor this week. May they see who you are. May they grow deeper in love with you. You know, something like that, something that encourages them to really know Jesus. Go ahead, Jessica. Thank you. God, we just love you, God. And God, I just pray, God, for the whole congregation right now. God, I pray that they will just put you first in their their lives, oh God, and their community and their jobs and their families, oh God. I pray that they would just continue to serve you, God, wholeheartedly, Lord. Uh, that nothing gets in their way, no lie of the devil, Lord. That you will be first and they will trust in you, God, with everything that you put in their lives, Lord. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that they will feel your love. They will feel that you love them, Lord God, and that you want them, God, wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe it, can I hear one more amen to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Come on, slap somebody, slap somebody.